Welcome to the Inside the Junior Rain podcast. I'm your host, Ben Frank, and each and every week we give you an inside look on what goes on behind the scenes of a USA Hockey Model Association, the Junior Rain. We believe in learning, we believe in age-appropriate, long-term athletic development, and we believe we have the responsibility to harness the power of youth sports to create better athletes, better people, closer families, and a better world. Thank you for joining us, and together we can make youth hockey a life-changing experience. Okay, <laughs> we are live for Inside the Junior Reign, episode number 19. Uh, we're going to make sure we're showing properly on Facebook here uh, for everyone, and thanks for joining us. Uh, my name is Ben Franklin, the president of the Junior Reign Youth Hockey Organization, where we have a weekly show on Mondays where we dive into what goes on behind the scenes of a youth hockey program whose mission is to... Uh, transform kids through sport and, and, and make uh, youth hockey life-changing experience. With me as always is our Chief of Hockey Operations, Paul Esdale. Um, and this week we're going to dive a little bit deeper what we were working on the last two weeks. The last two weeks, uh, so 17 and 18, we started getting into the details of what a ADM, uh, USA Hockey American Development Model Model Association is and how that is, uh, the commitments we, we went over, the commitments we made, and the changes we made as an organization to become a model club. And we actually started going into the specifics of the changes that a club has to make, so you can understand. So clubs that want to become a model club, and for uh, parents and players that want to understand the differences of what a model club is and the changes that, that you have to make. And we even went over of, of why some of those changes are, can take some time and some of the differences you have to make in your organization to do, to do that. Um, so today, um, the, just just to premise it a little bit, uh, becoming a model club is all about doing uh, age-appropriate skill development, age-appropriate development for each age group. So the, the real main premise is an 8-year-old is different than a 14-year-old, 10-year-old is different than a 12-year-old, and understanding what's most important. We I put in the, the subject line here, win, winning, right? Winning to us is doing what's most important now for that age group. Um, so... I have our, like I said, our Chief of Hockey Operations here today, and we're going to dive into the eight and under age group specifically to understand the differences of the things that we that are so important and critical to do at that age group and why to help their long-term potential, to help their long-term athletic development, and how different that can look than, say, the professional game on TV or the professional practices they might watch on TV. So Paul uh, oversees all of our hockey operations uh, with the junior reign, uh, and then he's uh, he's with our 8U age group you know, two, three times, probably three or three or four times a week, actually total between the, between the two locations, um, and has also designed our curriculum. So, uh, Paul is going to talk kind of some real specifics on eight under age. What does that look like to do age appropriate development? What does it look like to focus on their windows of trainability to help them have the best chance for long term success and growth? Paul, is that did I do a good job introducing that? Yeah, that's great, Ben. The, the point is that the eight and under practices are going to look completely different than other age groups, right? So, and then you're gonna see a slight progression to the 10U, then even obviously a big jump to 12U, then even a bigger jump to 14, 16U. So an 8U practice will not look like the LA Kings practice. It's not supposed to at all. Right. It's not, if, if, if an 8U practice looks like a professional NHL team practice, then they're doing it That's wrong. not a good thing, right? No, it's yes. not the bad the thing. The closer it looks to that, it doesn't mean it's a good thing, right? Yeah. So this is probably a challenge you get a lot, right? Especially the eight and under level. A lot of people that are maybe newer families to hockey. There might be there might be a family that has a lot of hockey experience, but even so, 
things things now are different than they were 20 years ago or 10 years ago or even five years ago or if that person is a hockey person at the adult level or they like they watch they watch the pro game at the eight under level it's things look very different and people probably if they are if they don't know what they're looking for they might think they might wonder it's because an ABM model club type could look very different than than clubs around yeah, I think the, the focus points are, are key, and we, we use, I have this here in my hand, we use the USA Hockey Skill Progression Book a lot, and that's kind of what we based our curriculum off is, is that the fun and the engagement, the activity, and obviously making sure it's age-appropriate are the key focus points. So fun, what does fun look like is important, right? Kids have to be smiling, enjoying what they're doing. We know that if they're not enjoying their, if they don't want to come to practice, first of all, it, because practice is not fun, then we lose another hockey player, right? They're not gonna develop if they don't like what they're doing. And they talk, I know USA Hockey talks a lot about the Flintstone vitamins, right? Yeah. So packing in some of the drills that make, making sure they're fun, but making sure there's skill development in there, that they're getting the, the necessary skills, uh, acquiring the necessary skills uh, through those fun drills. So that fun factor is so critical at every age group in youth hockey, but most importantly critical at the AU level. If it's not fun for the kids, if they don't want to come to practice, or if they don't leave uh, smiling, then that's a problem, right? And that and that's a big thing. And I know a lot of people that are new to the game may want their kids to be disciplined and yelled at. Um, and and there's there's age appropriate times to hold kids accountable for their actions. Of course, obviously, if there's a danger situation like that, this is another topic we're talking about. But if they're if the drills are set up the correctly, the drill should the kids should be able to run the drills without any of the coaches having to yell at them, right? Mm -hmm. And usually when a drill's not working or a station's not working, it's the coach's fault. It's not the kid's fault, right? Because the kids just wanna be out there and they wanna get better, right? And usually what happens is if we, we put in a drill in or a station that is not age appropriate or not correctly set up, it won't work. And we, we wanna blame the kids. Oh, they're not yeah. listening, they're not this. But really, we've got to look in the mirror, and it's really the coach's fault because they're not executing it properly, and it's probably not age-appropriate for that age. So this was part of the change of focus we <laughs> talked about from going from the competition model to the development model, going from what's important to me, what's important to you, yeah. to, to us, and what's important for the athlete, right? We could, we could be this, you know, you play pro hockey, I played, we both played college hockey, you played at the Division One level in college hockey, and also we could come down and you know, with kids, eight hundred kids that are learning to play hockey still, or, you know, have played recreationally or going to the club level, and we could be the, the big coach who knows, we know way more than they do about hockey, and they have to listen to us and learn from us because we're gonna teach them uh, what we want them to learn, right? And, uh, but if, if, they, if, if they're not engaged, right, if, if, if they're not paying attention and they're not showing us respect and they're not, they're not focusing and all those things, Oftentimes what we've seen is that it's like, oh, these kids don't pay attention. These kids are messing around. These kids are, are, are not focusing. They're not listening. And we've, what we've learned from learning about kids and learning about athlete development, right, is that that's not the, kid, the kid's fault. If we, can't, if we can't get eight and unders to engage in practice, we've got to put that on us and the way we design that. Yeah, practice. and it's usually a broken drill, right, or a broken execution. And what I'd say is once you talk about, we talk about fun and engagement, age appropriateness, the next big thing to look for the 8U practice is the activity level. And I talked a little bit about last last uh, episode about you know you can hear someone tell you how to you know tell you how to do something you can see it done in demonstration mm -hmm. but the best way to learn and how learning really works is for them to do something so the doing is the most critical part at that eight and under that's the that the windows of trainability that will follow is right that high activity rate so a eight you practice we're looking at sixty minutes on the ice 
right? We're looking for 45, 50, 55 minutes of actual moving in that practice. As close as, close as we can get, right? To the, to the Yeah, the full amount, amount, right? Obviously there's time for, for some uh, change of the, of the drills and stations and, break and water and breaks, and that yeah. kind of stuff. But you're looking for a high as activity as possible. You're also looking for a high amount of reps as possible with puck touches, um, competitive battles, you know, shooting, passing, stick handling, competitive battles, all those put into one drill or spread out throughout different drills throughout or different stations throughout the day. So they hit those all those categories of skill development. And that's really key. And if you have that activity, right? Think about this. If you have the fun, if you have that activity, you have the engagement, it's age appropriate. You're, you're going to get a lot out of that practice. Those kids are going to get a lot of those practice. And usually if, you know, a coach is enjoying himself, having fun, Kids are probably having fun, Duke, and it all works together. And parents can see that when they come off the ice, smile on their face, take the helmet off, sweaty head, yeah. you know you're doing something right there. Yeah, and just, just, just to go into that a little further, Paul, is that, you know, uh, now, fun, right? Why is it so important to be, for it to be fun? Okay, let's say it's the, let's say it's the top eight and under team at the club or in the, low, in the area. Those kids, they, they love hockey. They want to be hockey players. Sure. And, and, you know... We want them to. We want to see results. We want to see them get better, right? We want to see them do these things. We talked about fun. Number one is right. Number one, we we don't want them if they quit hockey. It doesn't if it doesn't matter. Nothing yeah. nothing else matters, right? We could do the best skating drill, technically wise or whatever. If they stop playing, it really doesn't do any good, right? So we want them playing for the long term. You're not going to do something long term, especially a hockey or a sport, unless you're unless it's fun. And you, you, you love it. We talk about the NHLers are retiring. Sometimes they say it wasn't fun anymore. The, work, the practice, the work wasn't fun anymore. So we want if, if we want them to, to stay with us long term, it's got to be got to be fun for them, right? And maybe you can have something to add that. But also just before you, before you add that, also add to the part of when it's fun, what also what also happens in the practice? Let's say they're doing a drill or a game that is fun for them. What is the engagement effort level and trying and you know and them trying to get better versus going through some drill that's not fun, maybe a monotonous skating line drill or something where they're where they're not maybe giving their full effort or giving their full attention to? Well, I think you look at anything, right? Um, you know, anything you want to do in your life, you know, first of all, ask yourself why you're doing it, right? Why am I in youth hockey? Why am I in youth sports, right? If the answer is just to be a professional. You, you, you know, you're focused on the outcome and not the process, right? How many, the percentage of people that play a professional sport and make a living at it is very low, mm -hmm. right? So why are we playing youth sports? Why are we playing youth hockey is really critical to understand that. And then obviously the engagement factors, anything you do in life, if you don't like to do something, you don't do it at a high quality or high reps. Well. I know I don't, yeah. right? And, and that's why I'm involved in hockey because I love hockey, yeah. right? It's just like a, a kid. He wants to be doing, or he or she wants to be doing something that they enjoy, Right, if there's a purpose behind it, they love hockey, and now we're going to do this drill because I love playing hockey, yeah. and now they'll gain ownership of the sport. And we've talked about this before: is that ownership is critical. So when that times get tough, and when I have to do the hard work that maybe is not as fun as it used to be at eight and under, maybe at because there'll be time for that later. I mean, the gym, in the gym, and on the track, running. There always is when right? you're eating or whatever, right? Totally. And if you if you're taking it at the highest level, and you got to be very disciplined on what you're doing, maybe it's not as fun, but if you had the right groundwork set up and, and it's always been fun for you, you love that, the game, that, that hard work and that passion and developing that is going to be fun. And that working hard and to get better is going to be fun because you have, you have the base that you develop when you're younger. So that's why it's so critical because as soon as we know, we just know from the statistics we've seen it and I've seen it personally with my friends. I've seen it in youth hockey. 
the highest levels is if people aren't enjoying what they're doing, it's not going to last very long. I, I was just driving in today and I heard an interview uh, from, uh, with Jim Rutherford, who's the general manager of the Pittsburgh Penguins. And he talked about how, what a big loss it was when they lost Marc-Andre Fleury to Vegas. And it wasn't just because he's a great goalie. It's because every day in the dressing room, he made, and on the ice, he made it fun, mm. right? And they've taken some while to recover from that. And now they got a kind of things going. But that was a big loss because he makes every day fun, right? He doesn't yeah. take it for granted. He enjoys what he's doing and he loves the game and he loves being around the game. Same thing with the youth practice. If you walk in that rink, you want to feel good about what come yeah. drive. You want to, hey, we drive 45 minutes an hour, whatever it is, 30 minutes. You want to feel good driving the rink, knowing that you're in an environment that your kid's going to enjoy it and love it and get better. It's and that's one of the highlights of their week, right? It has you, to be. And you mentioned, to, to go on to the Fleury point you mentioned earlier, if we're only playing this game to become a pro, like, and the guys that made it as pros, even the guys that make millions of dollars, yeah. they didn't play it to become a pro. And even now, they don't continue to play for the money. They might make $10 million a year. And then once they do get to the point where they're just doing it for the money, they're not going to last very much longer. Right, like you said, the, the guys that you, even LeBron James, they talk, they talk about loving the process, loving the game. And Tom Brady talks about how much he loves, he loves being a quarterback and these things. Is if if they don't, even at the highest and highest levels, they're not doing it for for that outcome. That's that's a byproduct of them loving their passion towards it. Right, and the and the best players take it to the next level because they have that engagement, and love for the game. And I, I actually saw an article about Sidney Crosby. Sorry to talk about the yeah. Penguins, the whole, yeah. my favorite team, but. During Christmas break, he was back in... Besides uh, the Kings. Besides yeah, the Kings. besides the Kings. He's back in Montreal visiting his girlfriend, yeah. and he stopped. They had some four or five days off. He stopped at an outdoor rink and was just practicing out there, and some random yeah. kid from the neighborhood was out there, and he practiced with the kid. He's like a 15-year-old kid, yeah. best player in the world, spends an hour with the kid practicing because he doesn't care who's on his team or who's on the ice. Yeah. He, he loves, loves the game, and it's his, and that's the key, or it's hers, right? They have ownership of it, and that only comes... When you develop the right environment for the kids to excel at. So tell, tell me specifically then, you talked about the activity and then fun and engagement level. Why does, how does the, doing like a, a so a pro, a pro practice, for yeah. example, if you watched, if you go watch the pregame skate for the LA Kings sure. or something, right? Some of the, now a lot of the, even the pro, the pro practices have changed sometimes, yeah. you know, the U.S. national team practice. But let's say you watch a pregame skate sure. and you, ha you see a team that's going through stuff that looks like the game the actual game, right? Maybe they go back to their own zone with five players. They they bring the, you know, they pass the puck out, they attack off the rush, something like that. Maybe they pass it back to the points and they get some yeah. shots on that. Something like, looks very much like the game, like they're practicing something from the game. Yeah. Why does that approach, why, how does that not give what is needed at the AU level? Why does it look so different? Well, first of all, the, the size of the area is number one, right? We're, we're talking with kids that are usually under five foot. You know, they're, they're whatever, how tall are they, right? They're, they're small kids, they're, they're, they're not mini adults. So that's number one, we're dealing with kids, eight and under kids, right? So the, the, their legs are smaller, their bodies are smaller, right? So even thinking about practicing on full ice surface and th even thinking back, you know, years ago when there was eight and under full ice, mm -hmm. the quality of those games were, were, were very low quality and didn't relate, didn't look like real hockey because mm -hmm. it was the most, the oldest, most developed kid uh, on one team just getting breakaways the whole game. It was basically one-on-one, -on -one, basically hockey, and all the other kids never got to touch the puck. And yeah, skating uh, 200 feet Straight, and that's it, right? pushing the puck out in front Right, so, yeah. so the idea of trying to do something like that uh, for an AU practice doesn't make sense because they're not gonna get the quality reps, number one. And, uh, and number two, it's not age appropriate, it's just not age appropriate, right? And that's why 
they, you know, USA Hockey made the change of half to half ice and cross ice, right, to match their size of the bodies with the ice surface, right? And now what we talked about before is to increase all those reps, small area, take away time and space, increases the reps of, of the puck touches, you know, passing, shooting, stick handling, puck battles, all that engagement, that, that just increases and multiplies and multiplies. So if you shrink it, it multiplies. When you're looking at a pro practice, they have to deal with so many factors, right? Schedule is a big one for them, right? They're, they're, not, they're looking at maintaining, right? So they'll do a lot of drills, you know, the day before game where it's just going through the motions kind of, so just kind of block repetitions. So getting the feel of that breakout, that, that first pass to the boards, whatever it is, and really not really applicable to eight and under kids because they're, they're not fully developed eight and under kids. So we want to get the most of that or to develop them for the long term when they get there. The National Hockey League players within the season, they probably they have some individual skill work they do if the schedule works, but those team practices are, are focused on the team concepts most of the time, right? Less skill work. And they're mostly teams concept. I know they, for a fact, they spend individual time on skill work, but it depends on the schedule, right? So it just doesn't make a lot of sense when you do the eight and under compared to the national. Hockey and League. talk a little bit about then the, the windows of trainability for the sure. eight and under age group. So again, we've talked about this before as well, but being a model club, you have to follow the age appropriate windows of trainability for each age group. Um, and that means that again, at each age group, kids are not many adults at each age group. There's a, there's a curve, there's some great stuff on USA Hockey, ADMKids.com, you can see the, the graph, the growth chart. So the difference again, is that kids are, they're, they're not fully developed yet, right? So they're, they're, they're growing. And depending on where they are on their growth curve, from eight years old, from young, six years old, all the way up to being an adult, fully grown, right? That's how it's measured from, from, from start from being you know, a, a child up to being fully grown. Depending on where they are along that curve, there's different things happening in their body that they're developing. So you don't just develop every capability at the same rate from start to finish. You're developing certain things more at different age groups, at different parts along that growth curve. So we need to know what those things are at each age group. What are they most receptive? What are we developing there? For example, they're not developing conditioning, like long conditioning stuff at the eight and under age group. So if we didn't know that, we was like, oh, these kids need to get conditioned and get in shape. And we're trying to condition them. Not only are we missing what's most important for them right now, but we could potentially doing damage yeah, and things. That's you just cause burnout, right? Their energy systems aren't prepared for that, right? So it's it's the speed one, right? Speed one meaning short burst, change direct, directness, quickness, mm -hmm. right? So stop starts, uh, tight turns, all these different little small area change of directions is really important, right? And that's Which is why we want to shrink things. That's right? why you want to shrink the ice, and that's why, like, freeze tag's a great example. Like, you're eluding, you're skating, you're stopping, you're turning. Uh, that's a great example. Sharks and minnows, all these little small area games where you're working, you're using all your different edges, right? Inside, outside edges. And, and there's, there's more than just blindly skating in a block drill. There's some thinking behind it, right? So they have to elude someone, right? Which is important, right? That's, that's why some of those games that you see, the freeze tag or sharks and minnows, or even like a musical pucks is they're maybe working on specific crossover, but then there's some engagement, some battle level where they have to think and do something else while they're skating, right? So they have to avoid and someone. straight, straight, long speed is speed two. It's not in yeah. the window of training below eight U level. So if we're working on like long, like straight, long speed sprints down the, down the full surface of the ice, we're not actually developing something that they're receptive to, right? It, it's the short burst change of direction. Yeah, they don't. They don't even. They don't even. They don't even register at that age, right? Their 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 brain is not even able to register. That's yeah. what the science says, right? And the next one is the suppleness, right? So that's any. That's athletic like ability, right? It's the ABCs: agility, balance, coordination, and that's why you see like some some drills will do where they'll 
jump up and down. They'll do tight turns around their stick. They'll they'll fall their knees, get up quick. They'll do Superman dives, like those kind of things like that. They'll do log rolls, those little things like that. Those is all agility, balance, coordination. Uh, so those that's really good. That's physical. With your body. That right? physical literacy, right? Just be, becoming an athlete, right? Um, and that's why the off ice is structured like that too. So there's a lot of off ice structured for that. So it's just that athleticism, right? Physical literacy. So they become athletic. They become more comfortable catching things, throwing things, yeah. um, all those little things are really jumping. You know, all that little those things are important at that age group. So some other things that that so once we so that once we have some understanding of what what's most important at that age group, what their windows of trainability, what they're open to, why we're doing this, what's the long term that we want out of this, right? So it starts to determine the programming. Talk Paul, yeah. talk Paul a little bit about the work to rest ratio yeah. as well, because the pro game and the or the older levels sure. is different than that. And then maybe also when it comes to, to positional play sure. and things like that. Well that, and that's important. The practice focus is key, right? But if you're if you're following the science, that will dictate what the practice looks like, right? So Practice focus, and there's percentages in the skill book here, right? And say it should be individual skill development, right? And 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 then and then using the hockey and developing hockey sense, right? So it'll be it should be majorly individual skill development, and then as part of it should be hockey sense development, right? And why? And I think it's about 85-15 in the skill book, and it's high on skill development and less on hockey sense, right there, because their brain is not fully developed yet to understand and link complex activities together. So that's why you'll, you won't see complicated smaller games at the AU level. You'll, you will see some smaller games, but they won't be complex ones yeah. because they can't link them together yet, right? So you'll see a lot of individual skill work, a lot of activity, right? So it's important that those, those make sense and that will dictate what the practice looks like. And that also dictates what you're trying to get out and what they need to focus on Further development, right? So the key, the two key real team-related development um, points are is that they focus on puck pursuit, right? And this is one we sometimes we need to talk about is right. If you're working on system-based and that's system-based drills or stations, USA Hockey recommends zero percent. So that's like level. teaching positions. That's, that's stand teaching. here, stand here. Here's a here's a two one two four check. Here's a fully developed. So you two guys breakout. stay back. Yes. You, this person's gonna forecheck. Back, very, right. very common at the AU level. Um, people are telling them, "You're a left winger. You're a right winger. You're or you're a forward. You're a forward. You stay on the left side. You stay on the right side. You're a defenseman. You're a defenseman. Right. So short term, if you have, if you're playing a game like in a, a league game, if you have two forwards up top and two forwards down below. You're going to have more success, yeah. right? Because guys aren't going to get caught. Tell your defenseman to clear the puck sure. up and the four, right? So why, why is that so bad, right? Well, you're going to win the eight and under hockey game. Eight and under at this level, the score should not matter. The focus is on the development of the kids. The only way to develop their true self and their true full potential is to not put them in a box. Number one. So if we put them in a box and just tell them you're a defenseman, that's all you do. Clear the puck is. That's what they're always gonna think they have to and do. How fun is that? <laughs> not, some kids may like some it, kids right? Like that, some kids like that, right? But long term, yeah. they're not developing the skill sets to actually make plays, to score goals, to set up plays, right? So it may be painful at the start with positioning at the eight under, under level um, that they'll all chase the puck, and that's why I'm gonna get. I'm talking about to connect it back to the major point of puck pursuit. We want them to chase the puck. Yeah. We want them to attack the puck because we know long run. 
that is really critical to want to engage in battles when the puck is there, right? So you have to be patient with that. It takes time. It may take a couple of years to, for them to realize that, okay, we can't all four chase the puck because they'll just pass it by us. And that's now once they start to understand that and realize that, and we can help guide them along that way and talk them through it and help them see that, but without telling them the answers, help them understand that that is when they're developing the hockey sense, right? Yeah. That's hockey sense. When they realize, hey, my teammate's gone. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna give him some space and I'm gonna check my shoulder yeah. and see where I should be. That's what hockey sense is. Or they start reading, my teammate's gonna get to the puck first so I can get open here, or they're gonna get to the puck first so I'm gonna attack it. And the worst thing, I've, I've seen this where even like relatively skilled players yeah. maybe come from another environment and they're at an older level and they just, they don't want to go get the puck. Yeah. Like even when it's it's a battle, why, whatever, why is that? Afraid, they're afraid of going out of position. Yeah, they're afraid it. of making the mistake yeah. and leaving their defenseman, even though they can get there first. Yeah. And it's like the puck's loose. They don't go get it because they're not sure and they want to be the, they play their position. And, and the point is, and the player does is never going to play at the high level. And the point is, yeah, that's yeah. the point, Ben. At the highest level, that's not real hockey, mm -hmm. right? They are interchanging, they're moving, they're outnumbering, they're going out of position, out of hockey. Why it doesn't look as, as bad at, at youth hockey levels because guys have the hockey sense to cover for guys at the highest level. And switching, right? right? And that's because they have the cognitive ability because they've developed it through years and years of practice to be able to cover. So it doesn't look like they're in a position, or, or at least they've been covered, so it doesn't affect the, you know getting scored or something like yeah. that. And even obviously, there's a ton of goals in hockey, there's a ton of mistakes in hockey, right? So that puck pursuit is critical at the, at the, at the youngest ages. So they have that mentality at the older ages when it really matters. And the next critical point is puck support, right? So the first one was puck pursuit. We don't have the puck. I need to go get it, right? I want to go get it because I want to score or help my teammate score, right? Now I have the puck, uh, right? So what am I going to do if my teammate has the puck? I have to support them, right? So I have to get to a position somewhere on the ice that he can get me the puck or she can get me the puck. Yeah. And it's not so black and white where, okay, you're, when your player gets the puck, you go stand against the boards or you get in front of the boards. That's not real hockey. That's the reality is that's not real. And we see that all the time in youth hockey people. Oh, as soon as Johnny gets the puck, go there, yeah. right? And that may work several times, may work a lot at the AU hockey, but at the highest levels, right, that's not realistic. The realistic part is get to open ice. Yeah. Find a spot where someone else is. And if someone's there, move, right? And that's puck is so important. So that those key points come up and up and up again and sometimes you'll see at the eight and under level that uh, a lot of people are so focused on positioning and really they're emphasizing the wrong things, right? They're not emphasizing the puck pursuit and the puck support. They're emphasizing stay in your spot, right? And there's a big difference. And you may have early results on the scoreboard with stay in your spot, but long-term- Those players are not gonna- They're not gonna be big. They're not gonna be uh, elite players and reach their full potential down the road. And this may be five, 10 years down the road. And that's the hard sell, right? To the, to the new parent is that, Hey, I want results now. I want everything now. Right. And at the end of the day, we're, we're skating on uh, small little steel blades with eight year olds. It's going to take a long time to develop all their skill sets and their hockey sense. And we're looking for not just the eight and under uh, tournament win or game win, we're looking for these fully developed players when they're 16, 17, 18 at their full And I want to speak to that for a moment because it, oftentimes it can be hard for people to accept that, okay, yeah, maybe we're going to do the right things for the kids long term, but that other team is not doing it and now we're going to lose the game and they're going to win the game. And we're just letting that happen. <laughs> 
right? We're allowed, we're allowed, they have the full-time goalie, they have the two defensive backs all the time that clear the puck up, they have the guys going in the net and jamming it, and they, they beat us because, and they play the top kid the whole time, and we rotate our kids even, whatever that is, right? I want to, I want to premise that, yes, so maybe we lose a game because of that, and I think over the course of the year, which we've seen, actually the kids develop more and get more skilled. We actually, some times end up beating those teams towards the end of the year, whatever sure. it is, anyways. But let's just say we did it. Let's say we do the right things and it's more of a long term. The, the other side of that coin, we're going to be devil's advocate. I've seen it because our club wasn't always the same as it was, and we know, know a lot of We've been doing this for a long time, coaching and things. And I've seen the other end of it, where the kids that get in the families get caught up in that short-term model and they're on, they want to be on the winning teams, and they want to you know, do this, that, and specialize in all these things. And later on down the road, when, when yeah, they might have some success early on, and they feel wit, proud that they're on the first place team, and down the road, when their kid, their 14, 15-year-old, gets cut from the team and doesn't make a team anymore, or they quit, or whatever, or you know, or they're not a strong player anymore, I've seen it so many times over and over again, now it becomes... Oh, what a waste! What a waste of money! Yep. What a waste of time! We put all this money and effort into it to be on this first place team, and now you can't even make the top team, or now you right. quit. And be, that's because their focus was wrong. Right. Their focus was the end result, the outcome of of either being on the best team of winning or getting that college scholarship, right, or playing professional hockey, right. If the focus is on the process and the experience, right, and what you're gonna, how you're gonna develop as a person and a player. No matter if you, hey, say you play hockey till you're 18 and, and that's it. You still can look back and say, wow, look when I started, how far I came, look how many friends I made, yeah, look how many skills I developed. Yeah. Now I want to go to the rink and uh, help with this, bro, you know, be a coach or whatever. Yeah. That's what it does if you, if, if you focus on the right things. And that's why the practices and the engagement level, the activity, all that stuff has to be age appropriate and tied in right together. And that's why it's so challenging to do. Like this, think about all these things we talked about today. Yeah. There's a lot of factors, right? It's not, you don't just go out there and just wing it, right? If this is a important, this is an important age group, and there's a lot of science and research and thought that goes into this if it's done well. And right, and a great, a great point you brought up in is the goal, the goaltending issue, right? And I want to talk about it because that's a unique part of AU hockey besides playing on half ice or cross ice is the goaltending, right? Mm-hmm. At a USA Hockey Model Club, we rotate our goalies. Meaning that, meaning that every kid gets to try and play, and we have a list, and some guys get to play a little bit more because they want to play more, and some kids don't. We're not going to force kids if they don't want to, but we want to give every kid an opportunity to play. And, and there's many reasons for that. One, right, every player should see the game from the goalie's view, number one. Because how many times have I heard in youth hockey, and luckily not with our club very often, that you know, a goalie doesn't play well and lets in a bunch of goals and then the player goes to him, hey, you stink or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, well, why don't you try it? Goaltending is a really tough position. Yeah. So seeing the game from that position is really important, right? And the amount of goalies that don't know their goalies yet come out of playing AU hockey. We have several in our program that just tried an AU that are now, now goaltenders at the 12U level. Mm-hmm. And they would have never known. Another key point, right, is if you just say... At six years old, I'm a goalie. That's it. Most of the practice are set up, right, in, in a lot of the clubs that the goaltenders aren't going to get a lot of, a lot of activity Same. and a lot of act, uh, engagement, right? So if you put a goalie, a kid in goal, and he does like three years of practice with little amount of movement and skating, and now he decides, hey, you just, I know, Mom, you spent $2,000 on all this goaltender equipment. It's really expensive. Yeah. You know what? I don't think I want to be a goalie anymore. Yeah. 
right? You, it's not just the expense, right? It's those three years of development that you're gonna miss, right? So that's why it's important that everyone gets to try, everyone gets to play. We allow kids to try and practice, try and obviously go through the, the games they get to try as well. And some kids will take more liking to it than not, and that's what we see. It's not so much pressure on one kid all yeah. the time too. And also what people don't realize, I think, a lot of times is skating ability and puck handling Ski. ability is really important for goaltenders. A goaltender that doesn't skate well, and when as they get up, even if they're a big kid and maybe they're positionally sound, as they get in the, in the as they go on in their career, if they don't skate well, they're not going to be able to move around in the crease nearly well enough. And if they can't handle a puck, I've seen goalies who just don't can't handle the puck. That's going to be a, fa a factor too. And, and the athletic ability, right? There's a ton of kids that I know when they're at home fooling around with mini sticks and stuff are playing goalie, yeah, yeah. right? So when they get to try it, play goalie, yeah, of like course. And then when they get to try it, they love it, right? But they may not want to take it further than that, and they may. Yeah. And some kids may not like it, and that's okay, right? It's not, it's not forced upon you. But if you want to try, and and, that, and that's the best thing about it, is, and that's the challenge, right? We're comp And when we get to our games, we're competing against teams that have full-time goalies, right? So all they do is play goalie. They're taking goalie lessons. They're doing all this stuff. Extra, extra, extra. So that's going to affect the score at times, right? But we see with time, our players develop their hockey sense and their whole athletic ability in the long term better. Paul, we got some questions and comments here, sure. and then we'll, we'll have to wrap the show up. But oh, whoops. I want to say hi to oh, Alec Dunn's watching. Hey, Alec with the Heat. Awesome. Another PCA partner club. And uh, we had Michael Perkins and Grant Washington and Karina Paquette. Uh, we had a, a comp question from. Jesus Alfaro, what is the youngest player a player can join the junior reign? And then Jaden responded, I think six or five. <laughs> Paul, just want to, want to let him know, what's the youngest player we've had? In the well, we've had four. Uh, that's usually, pretty, usually pretty young. Yeah, usually five or six is the best age to get started, right? Um, there's a couple of kids that started at four that are still in the program now. Uh, but I'd say five or six is the best age to get them going. Okay, great. And then if, if and they're if, younger than that, sure. they always contact us. There's Ice Town programs, learn to play, learn to skate, hockey fundamentals. I started when I was two. Yeah. I think I think starting, you know, the younger the better. There's public skating. So yeah, Ice Town yeah. has a ton of programs. You can get started for free, even sure. borrow equipment. Try hockey for free. There's yeah. all these different programs. So you can start them at three, four, and then maybe look at getting them to eight and under five and six years old. Great, and then Grant, uh, Grant says the future age group manager right here, fellas. So we got, I think he submitted a, an application. Let me get back with Grant there. And then Jaden loves the live videos. Awesome, and Louis Macias, good stuff. Four years into the program, and the boys have really improved. I think Louis, I think uh, Stephen just got a hard hat award uh, recently, I think, right? Yeah, no, Stephen's been doing great. He we got a little uh, thing on the Little King from, he started in the Little Kings and had a little video on him. Yeah, NHL.com. He's been at yeah. the PWA level. Had a great couple games this weekend. Had a couple goals in each game and uh, really helped the team. Awesome, Paul. I think we're we're about five minutes over time, but I want to finish with you. You talked about those. those I want to just be clear. You talked about the con, the team concept parts in the yeah. AU level. So if the, in the skill book, the Paul talks about all the time. He gives up all his parents. And if you want one, come come and ask him. Yes. It, it lists a whole bunch of skills that we're going to work on with the AU. So you want to just show what's that? Just what are the, what are the the individual hockey skills for AU level? Sure, I can read, I can read off quickly. So skating is key, and there's obviously a bunch of uh, points under skating. There's puck control. There's shooting. There's body contact. There's goaltending. Right, passing, receiving. And there's all different uh, sub subtopics from there. Ready position, edge control, forward start, forward stride, right? And how we do this, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna see a drill where it says, okay, guys, we're just focused focus on the forward start, and that's all we're gonna do. So we're just gonna stand here and work on the forward start for the next ten minutes. You're gonna see it done 
in a game format, some, you know, a freeze so tag it's or something. Fun, that, so they're engaging, gonna... and they're working on some of that natural hockey sense that yes. happens from doing, yeah. from being in situations where you're reading. Can someone get there first? I'm racing this guy. I'm trying to beat him. What he's gonna fall down? I'm not like, in, in those types so, of decisions. So what I would say is, and what I do is when we're playing these drills, and we're always looking to evolve and improve. Is if you're a parent and you want to look at this and pull up the skating one, uh, look at your son or daughter at a station or her station and see. What okay? Watch the actual action of what they're doing, exactly what they're doing, not necessarily the drill, but what they're doing, and then see, you know, if you can check off some of the points of okay, that's a stop. Oh, that's a tight turn. Okay, that's a puck handle. Right? And you'll, you'll be amazed of actually how many they're doing without even really know they're doing them. Yeah. And my point here too is that we had almost two pages of hockey skills yeah. and things there, and then that so that's the individual skill that, that you said the concepts, the team concepts. What are the team concepts for eight U level? So eight U level, and we talked about it, right? It's it's puck pursuit and and puck support. So two. Yeah. So right. So there's this big list of, of individual skills we're we're working on, yeah. concepts, team concepts. There's no breakout there. There's no power play. There's now there's those skills and hockey sense we can develop to help on those things. But it's puck puck pursuit, puck support. You can't so you can't focus. you can't break the puck out. If you don't have the puck, yeah. and you don't support the puck, yeah, right. So that's the point. So yeah. focusing on puck support, all right, and puck pursuit will be able to set allow you to up. set up everything right. and be able to make a play and be able to break out the puck under pressure when you need to. Same thing with the power play. If you don't get the puck and you can't support the puck, you can't do a power play. <laughs> yeah. So all these, so you can see where at AU level, if we can learn these two things. Yeah. It could set up everything down the road in the future. That's key. Great. So thanks, Paul. Uh, we're about uh, we're over time here, but thanks everyone for watching. We had a good crew uh, watching today, Great. and um, oh, it's had some stuff all done. Uh, as always, we really appreciate you commenting and liking the video. Thanks for the engagement. We'll get back to all your comments either in the videos here or also uh, in the comment section on the Facebook. And we'll see you guys next week, uh, next Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific for Inside the Junior Ray. Thanks for watching this. Thanks, guys.